Big 8. 820 WWBA. The Big 8. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan stream sports. You fake it here, and then you run on the next one if you don't get it. There's the fake, there's the pass, and there's the catch for the touchdown. Antonio Brown. Oh, that was a backbreaker right before the half. Antonio Brown gets the touchdown just like the Bucks did in Green Bay. Uh, right before the half, they get a couple of nice penalties that set them up, and the Bucks go play action in the red zone. A.B., one-on-one, because you can't double everybody, and they ran a great route, perfect low throw by Brady, bada-bing, bada-boom, and the uh, Bucks had a, what, 21-6 lead at halftime? Yeah, and you know who that uh, was on, the uh, Antonio Brown route? You know, a little honey badger. Oh, little, they kind of targeted him, didn't they? A little five foot nine guy. Yeah. Little, little baby. All right. Uh, let's welcome in our good friend John Ledger from Pewter Report, who uh, has a great article up, well, many great articles up on Pewter Report. What's up, John? How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was just actually perusing your one about, uh, which I couldn't actually believe this, but uh, Andrew Wiley, the right tackle who's getting his ass kicked all game, was talking trash to Shaq Barrett. What the hell is that all about? That's what Shaq Barrett said after the game. That if all that work, and he was, he was laughing, so I don't know how bad it was, but he's like, I don't even remember what he said. I was talking to him, and I told him he's a scrub. He was trash. He had to take the train back to Kansas City. <laughs> I was howling when I heard that. I love those kind of inside stories, like about what's going on in the field and stuff we don't always get to see. Yeah, I can't wait to hear all the uh, the mic'd up stuff from NFL Films, and uh, especially hopefully Winfield uh, going deuces to uh, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> we have a t- we have a Twitter uh, poll up on what's your favorite moment. What was your favorite moment last night, John? Oh, it was the Winfield moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even, yeah. It's got I the lead, 48%. Part, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's maybe maybe a cliche answer, but I thought that moment was brilliant because, I, and I wrote a column about it today, actually, uh, on pewterreport.com, but I, I wrote about how I think it just kind of emblemized what this team's been through, like in terms of they were always kind of the, the you know, the, they were getting bullied by the Saints and, Every time you thought the Bucks were going to turn around, it was going to be a new day, a new season. They would end up wilting in the big moment just when you thought they were ready to prove it. And you know, people said it's a Bucks life, and that was mm-hmm. kind of how what it referred to. And uh, you know, after this season and these kind of moments, you know, against teams like this, they found their swagger and you know the ability to physically and, and kind of mentally dominate uh, top tier mm-hmm. teams in the NFL. And I thought that moment was just kind of like a, a perfect summary. The one time that you thought. Man, I wonder if the Bucks can get back up off the mat. Was was that Hill first quarter in the Chiefs game after they yeah, lost three yeah. or four, and that just kind of brought it full circle to me. Was this kind of like circle kicker of Antoine Winfield just giving him the deuces and saying like, "Look who picked themselves up and got the last laugh now." John Ledger joining us here from uh, Peter Report, and I think that's going to be the story of this season when uh, the books are written and Greg Allman and uh, Joey Johnston are writing one. I'm sure Peter Report might write one as well. Um, I think when the story is written, it's going to be about you know the leadership of Brady. You know, I called him the Pied Piper of accountability. The guys just follow him blindly because they know where he's going to take them uh, <laughs> straight to the Lombardi Trophy, and he just li- lifted the level of everybody's play. and And the the first half of the season or the first twelve weeks was really just you know an, an evolution of this team to find out who they are, what their identity is, and they went into the bye week. Bye week, you know, like like creating Frankenstein in the lab and said, here's the best of what we do. Let's go out and just relentlessly 
do this to every team and that physicality on both sides of the ball, uber-aggressive defense, run the ball, play action. That's who we are, and that's what we saw. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been – I think that you know there is so much to be said about Brady and what he's done on the field, but, I mean, you can – definitely make a case that the impact he's had just on everybody in terms of leadership and things like that early on i thought okay you know it matters but you know is it is not as important as what you know people maybe make it out to be but now i'm not so sure i mean listening to aq shipley today on pat mcafee's show saying that as soon as he heard brady and arians were getting together down there like he was doing everything he could to get his body ready just trying to get down there yeah. and win a ring and he said he knew tons of guys across the league who wanted to do the same thing. And then, you know, not all of them got the opportunity to, uh, but man, it's just, and, and look at the TV ratings. I mean, Boston's ratings were unbelievable, better than I think all but one of Brady's Super Bowls that uh, he had wow. when he was in New England. And, and they were even above Tampa Bay, which they had, Tampa Bay had great ratings. And it just shows, I just don't know if there's another player who could have left an organization. I mean, I, I grew up outside of Pittsburgh and I'm trying to think of Ben Roethlisberger left this off season for another organization, you know, it, would Steelers fans care? Like, would mm. they, to that extent, and Steelers fans are, are great fans, you know, no question, but I don't know that they, you know, it's it's the team, you know, more than anything for Steelers fans and Steelers. I don't know that an individual carries that kind of weight anywhere else in the league where they would inspire, like, a whole city to be more tuned into a new team than even their own team. I think it's uh, it's totally remarkable, the, the icon that Brady is in this game. Yeah, we, we just played the uh, the Dave Portnoy, uh, Barstool Sports President, uh, talking about, you know, that's our guy. Gronk is our guy. And I'm like, yeah, not anymore. You you kicked her. You kicked her out of bed. You broke up with her. You you said, you know, that's what Belichick did. His his hubris, his arrogance that they could be better without Brady, and he was done. I mean, that's the type of fuel that Brady uses to just energize himself and keep himself laser focused. I'm sure he had a picture of Brady or uh, Belichick, you know, in his locker. This this is why I'm going to prove that I could do it without him. I think that was a big part of his uh, his motivation. What do you think? Maybe, uh, maybe. I mean, I won't rule it out. I mean, he has the ability to use anything to motivate himself. I really think we underrate the fact that Brady just loves to play football and loves to compete oh, sure. and loves yeah. challenges. You know, I, I, I think he loves Bill Belichick. I think he, I think he will set when it's all said and done. I think when, when he's, you know, inducting the hall of fame, wouldn't be surprised if Bill's the one giving his speech. I mean, I think they're that tight and there's that much respect for each other. It's a different type of relationship for sure than Bruce Arians. Um, I think any opportunity to prove something, not to other people, but to himself, mm-hmm. is what Brady cares about. I really don't know that he that it matters much to him. You know, everybody was like, "Oh, this marriage isn't going to work." Or, you know, before the season with Ian Arians, and then you know, when everybody was like, um, you know, in midseason, they're like, "Oh, there's, you know, they have buyer's remorse and all this stuff." Like, maybe it inspires them more than anything. I just don't. I think he tunes it out. I don't think he cares or, or thinks about those kind of things. What everybody else is saying, I think to him. What matters is 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 winning and being the best mm-hmm. at whatever he's doing and getting other guys to be on that journey too. I mean, he talks about it all the time. We dismiss a lot of things Brady says as cliche, and he does yeah, say he yeah. doesn't say much new stuff during his pressers. But I honestly think he believes the things that he says when he talks about football being a team sport. Oh, yeah. He plays quarterback that way. Like he doesn't play hero ball ever. Yeah. And I think that that is a kind of an understated thing about him is that he gets it from a leadership team building perspective. And I think that 
journey is really important to him of bringing everybody alongside and getting those guys to achieve something they haven't achieved too. Um, that's why it's crazy to me that he says he, he doesn't want to coach. We'll see if that changes, but I think he <laughs> understands a lot of the important elements that would go into being a head coach. Yeah, he's too competitive. to. He's going to have to find something to feed that competitiveness. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Tom, but it's not going to be this, the PGA Tour, the senior tour. It's not going to be that. So he's going <laughs> to he's going to have to find somewhere to find because I don't think he can function without it. To be quite honest, I really don't. Yeah. I don't he just seems so uber competitive that unless if he's going to wake up one day and not have something to seek to to uh, just sink his life into with all his, every every ounce of his being, I think he's going to be completely unfulfilled. He'll, yeah, I mean yeah. he he said what after Super Bowl number. Or maybe, you know, I remember him, you know, it's a very honest moment with Brady and kind of a look behind the scenes, but he kind of said, you know, there's got to be a little bit more to everything than this. And I'm not sure where he was with raising a family and all that thing, and those things at that point in time. Um, but I, I think he's found some of that for sure in doing that. But definitely a guy who's kind of always been on that journey, I think, to like, figure out the fulfillment side of things and what brings that. And, you know, I I think you're right without football. I I don't know what that would look like for him. And I think he's doesn't know either. That's why he says, you know, he'll, he thinks he'll know when it's time to hang it up. And I hope he does, but it's it's clearly not now. Uh, John Ledyard joining us here from the Peter report, you know, in my monologue, you know, I called this a dream team. Um, and I've, we've talked about this a lot this year, how talented this roster is. It's the it's the main reason that Brady chose to come to Tampa Bay. He's no fool. He saw he saw the potential in this team, and he was absolutely 100% right, no question about it. So when, when you write the, the narrative of this team, John, what is, what is it going to be in terms of, of just the talent level of this team? Because you look across the board, I mean, JPP, first-rounder, Dominic what, second overall. Uh, Vita Vea may turn out to be one of the best tackles of his generation if he stays healthy. Devin White could be a, a freaking Hall of Famer. Le- Levante David is one of the best linebackers that has played in his generation. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be a perennial pro bowler. Um, I mean, I just go up and down and then offensively with Evans and Godwin and, and Gronk. Uh, I mean, just you, uh, Fournette, uh, Rojo. I mean, this, ta- this team is uber talented, not to mention an offensive line whose numbers are going to be tremendous when we look at their grades. I mean, this is a dream team, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. I think the way that it was constructed was so unique. You know, yeah. the, the best way I can say it is that it has everything. I mean, it's a, it's really a master class from Jason Light in terms of how to build a roster because yeah. he did it primarily through the draft and targeted key, key positions through the draft and then also did the same thing in free agency, right? He sank a ton of money in free agency. Uh, well, not even a ton of money, I guess, but a lot of resources and a lot of player movement yeah. into free agency at the defensive line. Like That's where he wanted to target. That also added a first-round pick there. Then he thought, you know, we need a younger secondary that totally looks totally different than what uh, than what we have on the field right now. And, and he made the mistake with Vernon Hargraves, and yep. he made the, you know, the mistake with Roberto Aguayo, and he just kept learning. He just kept growing. He never married himself to anything. He just said, you know, what what's our process? What are we going to look for in corners? Like, how are we going to change what we did with VH3? They got three guys who absolutely love the game of football, yep. who were in there every day with Todd Bowles at 4.30 a.m. studying tape, trying to get better. They got class act people, especially in Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis. Um, that are just going to be accountable every single step of the way, that are going to be leaders and are already, especially with Sean Murphy Bunting, vocal leader yeah. on that team, and a guy who looked in the mirror and wasn't playing well this season and 
and said, you know what, I'm going to keep grinding, I'm keep getting better, I'm not going to make excuses, and that's what Murphy Bunning did, and, and had an unbelievable postseason run. And so it was, it really, I think a lot of it was about targeting the right type of person. Like he knew the type of culture he wanted to build. It took a couple years of working out the kinks. Obviously, finding the coach was a big part of that. But once Arians was here, there were a lot of players that already had the right mindset. They just needed to grow on the field and in the way that they understood and saw the game. And so I think that both Light, I mean, Light deserves the most credit to me because he figured the whole thing out. Like, every, he knew who Arians was going to bring in as his staff. Yep. He knew all that. And he said, this is the perfect fit. And he was absolutely right. And obviously, this offseason was huge. But it really began way before this offseason, and I hope that story doesn't get lost in the process of all this. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, you know. Um, and think about this. Two years ago, Jason Light, honestly, I think we all said it, that he's probably going to get fired. I mean, with his record <laughs> through the first, yeah. what, five or, five or six seasons, no GMs survived that kind of record. It just doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And it was, what was it, the uh, 17 or 18 draft, which was uh, almost a complete whiff? Um, but he came back with two really, really strong drafts that have been a foundation, as you mentioned, of this football team. And, you know, and his his trump card, uh, pardon the pun, is, was his relationship with B.A. Because remember, B.A. was retired. There was a lot of, you know, people were looking that your uh, new coaches and, you know, the Bucks got the best one, the best resume. Didn't have the best hair necessarily. Wasn't the youngest mm-hmm. guy, not the most handsome. But they got the best guy, and that was a key to landing Brady because I'm, I'm absolutely 100% sure that when he looked at the Chargers and looked at his options out there, that this coaching staff was probably, in the roster obviously, was was the difference maker, right? Absolutely. It was yeah. critical. You know, I think you're right. I mean, that ability to evaluate all of those things is important because, like you said, you can be a good scout, and that's a great thing as a GM, but it's only part of the battle. You know, yep. you have to – there's so much more to manage in terms of – the coaches and also the cap and all that. He's employed great people to help him with the cap. He knew his limitations. He's a football guy, football right. guy background. Like that's what he was going to be good at. So what did he do? He went out and he hired people that could help him understand his limitations. I mean, there are GMs in the league who've been around forever. You know, looking at you, Dave Gettleman, who haven't learned a thing. Yep. They're making the same mistakes every single year. And, and Jason Light's taking his opportunity and, and learned the whole time. Let me let, let me just read you what he's done in the NFL draft because. 2017 was O.J. Howard and Chris Godwin were the highlight picks, but Justin Evans and Kendall Beckwith both looked good and had yes. horrible like, career-ending injuries. So yep. got unlucky in 2017, came back in 2018, beat Avea, trade down, by the way. Ronald Jones, M.J. Stewart was a miss, but got Carlton Davis and Alex Kappa and Jordan Whitehead with the next three picks. Then came back Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Mike Edwards, even Anthony Nelson in the fourth round. He's a good yeah. old fourth-rounder. And, and Scotty Miller in the sixth round, I mean, and then this year, Werfs and Winfield, two of the best rookies in the entire league Huge. in an offseason like this one. You know, Tyler Johnson in the fifth round, and we'll see with Deshaun Vaughn what he becomes. He looked but, good. I mean, Showed some you can promise, put it up yeah. against, yeah, you can put it up against any GM in the league, I think, over the last four years, and you could put uh, his drafts up against. And I, and I think that you'd have to consider him, especially the last three years, uh, one of the better GMs in the game right now. And you're right. They're going to be fired, and what a testament that is to yep. sticking with somebody that you know and you believe in, and the mm-hmm. Glazers deserve a lot of credit for that as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and your great point you point out about him learning on the job. I had a conversation with him uh, 
one night over a couple of beers and you know he frankly admitted those mistakes and you know he's like yeah you know i he goes i i needed to learn more about who these people are you know not just what's on tape or what's inside of them um and he's very candid about those mistakes and what he learned and that's that's part of the that's part of getting better in any parts of our lives you know we all can mm-hmm. learn from that so, hey, one last yeah. question, John. What, what do you think BA's legacy in this of uh, this team is? You know, we talk. I mean, Brady gets all the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the he gets all the accolades for his leadership, and rightfully so. But what what what, what do you see as BA's legacy in this this season? I think it's just as such as a leader. I really yeah. do. I think that's. I was thinking about this earlier today, man. I mean, he's not like the play caller. I think he gives so much control over to Leftwich. You know, left, which clearly, especially after the bye week, I felt like had more control. I don't yep. know if it was more control, but just his opinions. And Brady, he and Brady were clearly working on things together and figuring out what they wanted to do together. And Aaron's just kind of blessing it. Like, he just has the ability to instill a lot of confidence in people and belief in people that they know what they're doing. Um, I, and I think that's just an understated thing about Arians is that, yes, he was this offensive mastermind for a long time, but honestly, a lot of his concepts, had, the game had passed by a lot of the things that he did heavily when he, yeah. was, when he was having his most success in Arizona, and there needed to be some changes, and play action is never something he's done a ton of. Right, and exactly. They did a ton of play action. Almost half their dropbacks in the Super Bowl was play action. 70%, play, I play think. Action, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they scored a touchdown on an RPO. They just never yeah. run RPOs, JP. It was nuts. And so uh, I think that what he's been able to do in terms of saying, you know what, uh, the guy who started out really stubborn and loved control and all those things, being able to grow and become a head coach and surrender some of that and then start to raise up others, you know, and Byron Leftwich and, and, and even what Todd Bowles yeah. has done and, you know, kind of oversee everything and give insight where it's needed and, and, and give encouragement as needed. But, you know, coach players along too. I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting struggling and he's saying, we're not going to bench you. You know, people right. like me are saying like, you got to think about sitting this guy down, man. He's getting shredded. Yeah. And he's like, we're not going to. And say Devin White in coverage, we're not going to take you off the field on third downs. You're going to learn it. Like, that's how it's going to be. You know, Aaron Stinney gets plugged in. Here's all the confidence in the world we have in this guy. We're not going to change what we do. And so I think there's just so many examples of that. Mike Edwards, beginning of the season, he thinks he's going to start. All of a sudden, Antoine Winfield starting and Edwards, you know, is on the bench. And guess what? Edwards heads up the whole time. And, yep. and you know, and he's making plays. Leonard Fournette, like he's sitting him healthy scratch. The Vikings, the guy with Fournette's personality and his pride, like how was that not the, the death knell for Fournette? How did he get Fournette right. to stay, keep his head in it and then come back? I mean, I think those kind of leadership moments with Arians are kind of what will be his defining legacy with this team. Well said, John Ledyard. Well said, uh, a good speaker and a better writer. You can check it out on pewterreport.com. Some great stuff is uh, – Article Super Bowl champion Bucks found their bark and their bite. Read it now. It's a great, great, great read. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Okay. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, where we watched the Super Bowl, uh, it was a crazy night. Fortunately, the uh, the cops had to get involved. Yeah. So <laughs> it was bizarre. Welcome to Tampa. I did not see this coming for my Super Bowl watch party. Uh, and I was yours. 727 518 0820. Stay with us.